Welcome to the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast, where educators come together to discuss their journey on the road to financial independence. Now, please join our co-host, Dave and Brandon, as they prepare to help other educators get fit with their finances. Welcome and thanks for joining us on episode number 60 of the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast. If you think your story can help other educators and you'd be willing to come on the show, please shoot me an email at getfiteducator at gmail.com. Coach, what an amazing episode number 59 was with Dan Otter from 403BYs and the Teach and Retire Rich Podcast. Honestly, I, I don't have enough time to talk about how good that was. No, that was awesome. Uh, uh, Dr. Otter hit it at the ballpark. Um you know, he, he mentioned, uh, you know, did, I think he said, did I talk too much or somebody? I was thinking, um, no, you didn't talk enough. Keep talking <laughs> because everything you're saying is uh, encouraging, informative. Uh, you know, I, I always, Dave, you know this, I sit here and I listen to the podcast as though I'm a listener uh, when, when our guests are talking. And I try to let that instruct me on how to ask questions, what I think the listeners might be wanting to hear. And the whole time I was thinking uh, during the first episode, I, I, I was thinking I would be I would love this as a listener. I would love because all of the things that you were talking about were uh, once again informative, instructive, encouraging, and I definitely would have been hooked for this episode because uh, you know. So we we know that teachers have been screwed over the years by four hundred three Bs because they have not known what was really going on, and they got bullied. They got bullied, and we don't want that to happen anymore. That's that's really kind of the focus of your work. Uh, it's it's at least it sounds like to me. And so I'm ready to get into this, and and you know hopefully teachers can listen to this and become better informed when it comes to their own financial futures. Yeah, well, thanks for having back, me man. back. <laughs> Absolutely. So, can you start off? Uh, for the teachers that may not know, can you tell us what a 403B is and how it works? Let, let's start with the basics. Sure. Well, it actually comes from insurance code. And the 403B actually predates the 401k by 20 years. It was actually started way back in 1958. It is simply a way to set aside money for retirement. Traditionally, this was done on a tax deferred basis. You put in $100, let's say it lowers your taxable income by $100. So it works almost identically to the 401k. Most people have heard of the 401k. The problem is the big difference, even though it's an older plan, the 403b is not subject to the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. This is a federal oversight that means sponsors of 401k plans have to have uphold a certain fiduciary duty. And that's why in 401ks, you generally get lower cost, better investments. You never have like what I described in the previous episode, 100 different financial companies, which I had to choose from when I was teaching in Southern California. You generally have just one vetted um, financial company not so with the 403b. So how does it work? You can put up to $20,500 in 2022. If you are under age 50, if you're over age 50, like me, you can do an additional $6,500. You can choose among annuities, 
and annuities come in a couple of flavors. Annuities have gotten a bad name because the type of annuities sold in the K-12 market are terrible. They're high cost. They have surrender charges. They're just awful. Run if someone is offering you any kind of annuity product. But the basic annuity is a fixed annuity. It's simple. Think of it like a CD, couple percent in interest. The problem is there's bonus annuities, um, two-tier annuities, and then the ones we loathe, and that's loathe, not love, loathe the most, the equitable indexed, the equity indexed annuity. And it's, it's such a nefarious product. A lot of people have heard that index investing is a good way to go. You know, don't try to beat the market just by a mutual fund that mirrors the Dow 30 or the S&P 500. What an equity indexed annuity is, it's so, so, so seedy. It promises the upside of the market without the downside. Guys, if such a product existed, the three of us would be investing it. It does not do that. What it does do is it provides a big commission to the sales agent. They say that annuity products are not bought, they are sold, okay? So that's sort of the fixed annuity. They come in different flavors. The variable annuity is a mutual fund. So yes, you might be able to have Fidelity or T. Rowe Price or Vanguard, but there's an insurance wrapper attached to it. And guys, this insurance wrapper costs on average 1.25%. They call it a mortality and expense fee. Think about this. A straight Vanguard index fund, you can get for 0.02%. If you get that same fund through an insurance company, they're going to add 1.2% onto that. And let me tell you, the mutual fund is probably not going to be as cheap as a Vanguard one. So you're looking at 2 to 3% if you do if you invest in a variable annuity. And we've got uh, a chart on our homepage. You can see the impact of fees. It's going to cost you two to $300,000 compared to being in a straight low-cost index fund. The third type of investment you can choose, which we recommend, is a mutual fund. This is a product that is... Um, it comes in lots of flavors, index funds, or it could be healthcare stocks. I mean, there's just countless types of mutual funds. So the teacher has a couple decisions to make. Do we do I do a 403B? Which company do I go to? And then which investment? So that's how it works at its core. You know, we we've run into this a little bit. Um, I know we've had guests that have talked about this. When people hear 401k, 403b, IRA, Roth IRA, they think that they're investing in a 403b. They don't, they don't realize that there's actually things that you're investing in inside of the 403b. And I think I, I could be wrong about this, Dave, but I, I do think that this is, I think people don't worry too much about what they're investing in because they think, well, 403b is good. So if my money's going into the 403b, we're, we're fine. Um, there's a next step. Once I put my money into the 403B, now where's the money going to go? And, you know, maybe, I, and I think you covered a little bit of this just now, but, I, you know, I, just to clarify, once a person makes the decision, you know, they're a teacher, they've got the opportunity to invest in a 403B, what's sort of the order of operations that they're looking for before they say, okay, yes, I'm going to put my money here? 
what are they looking for? I mean, obviously, you know, you talked about fiduciaries and, and you, I don't know if you can even find those uh, at the district level, usually, uh, you know, so yeah. maybe just talk a little bit about the order of operations for making the decision to invest. Absolutely. So this could be a good time to talk about our district rating projects. So what we've endeavored to do is to provide evidence of how bad K-12 403B, um, 403B vendor lists are. There are 14,500 school districts in the country. This is an insane project we've undertaken. We are endeavoring to provide the 403B vendor list for every school district in the country. To date, we have um, public, uh, published 40, excuse me, 3,200 of them, and we grade them. In our grading system, we use the traffic light system, green, go, yellow, caution, red, stop. So what I want to do is talk about the green vendors. Here is who I hope your listeners have. At our highest rated vendor is Fidelity Investments and Vanguard. So hopefully you have them. If not, the following companies are also good. Aspire. Think of Aspire like a supermarket. They don't sell their own financial products, but you can shop in their aisles and get Vanguard and Fidelity for a small additional fee. So that can be a really good way to go. If you see on your vendor list that your district has and it says Aspire and it says you have to use an advisor, you do not. You can call their 800 number and invest directly. Okay, so I want people to know that. In California, there's something called CalSTRS Pension 2. If you're in Wisconsin, there's an excellent union um, uh, financial product. It's called the WEA Member Benefits Product. And then T. Rowe Price. So hopefully you have one of these companies. And you can see this list if you go to the advocacy section of 403bwise.org. So I would say, take a look to see, do you even have good companies? If you don't, you have two options. I would say, do you, I would ask, do you invest in a Roth IRA? In many ways, every teacher should, even though, again, we're 403bwise and we want people to know about that, I would say that almost every new teacher, the first thing they should do is open an individual Roth account or IR, Roth IRA with a low-cost company like Vanguard or Fidelity. It's simple. It's not tied to your employer. You can pick the financial company. You can get low-cost index funds in those two companies. So again, let's say you have no good choices. I would say do a Roth IRA. Then I would say lobby your school district to offer one of these low-cost choices. I would also say, look if you have a 457B available. This works a lot like the 403B, a lot like the, 450, um, the 401K. And Brandon, I like what you said. A lot of people think, oh, I've got a 403B. No, that's just the structure. It's almost like the car. All right, you're going inside the car, but the car can have all kinds of different interior. So the, the, the name of the retirement plan, it almost doesn't matter. And if I could wave a, a magic wand, I would get rid of all of them and just have one. Keep it simple. All the rules the same. Make it um, adhere to, to ERISA. You'd get more fiduciary oversight. So that's what I would do. That's the first steps I would do. And again, if I, you don't mind me promoting our 403BY's Facebook group, because on a daily basis, teachers are signing up and you, we have to approve you. We don't let the sales agents in. You, we get this question all the time. Here are my vendors. What should I do? And okay, so that's sort of like in 
please know that you are not alone. I don't like when people say, I should have known this. No, you shouldn't. Unless you've taken a personal finance class, why would you know this? If any colleges of education are listening to this, do your students a favor. Teach them this before they go into the classroom. They're like little lambs to wolves when they walk into the staff lounge and there's a sales agent there. So anyway, long answer. That's how I would approach it. I don't know if you're at liberty of saying this on air. Uh, you know, you can punt if you want to, but are you at liberty of saying the names of maybe four or five companies that yes. aren't going to be sending you a Christmas card this year? Thank you for asking me. Our worst, our red minus, Americo, Athene, Great American, Midland National, National Life Group, almost the worst. The most aggressive is um, Equitable. They used to be known as AXA. And guys, you know this, but I'll tell your audience, think about this. Not only have teachers been sold, like an act, uh, equitable salesperson will hook teachers into these expensive products. Once the teacher gets wise and finds out, oh my gosh, this is not the best product for me, then they find out it's difficult to get out of it. Also, it's expensive. They impose a surrender charge. Even if you simply want to transfer from equitable to another vendor, another financial company offered at your school district, it could cost you 5% of your balance. They impose what's called a rolling surrender charge. So let's say you've been investing in AXA equitable for 10 years. Their surrender charges last seven. Oh, that's great, right? I've been investing for 10 years. No, only three years of your investments are no longer su subject to the surrender charge. Each new contribution. So what are we in April? If you contribute at the beginning of the month, that now starts a seven-year time period on that money. I'm here to tell you guys our most read story is how to get out of AXA equitable. So if you Google that, you will come to our story on this. We have step by step, how to fill out their form. I would also say our 403BY's Facebook is chock full of teachers, either starting the process or who have finished the process. Guys, they make it difficult to get out. If you're a teacher and you're in one of these bad products, what I would say is stop contributing, direct your money to a lower cost product available at your school district. If you don't yet have one, Come to our advocacy section, learn how to advocate to get a better one, start a Roth IRA. Summer vacation, that's the time to start trying to unwind your bad product because guys, it is, it makes doing taxes look fun. My goodness. Oh so my I, 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 um, I'm, I'm really fairly new to personal finance in, in terms of taking my finances serious. You know, and the, the listeners that have kind of stuck with us, they know my story. They know that I kind of took, I thought I took a vow of poverty my first year as a teacher and never thought that I could really build wealth. And so I never really worried about it. As um, long as I could pay the bills, it, it was fine. Um, and then January 2020, I made the decision to, to really get my finance under control, get myself out of debt, you know, start building wealth. It's never too late, you know, that kind of thing. So for me, you know, it was on one of these episodes that I made the decision to start a Roth IRA. Um, I, I invest in VTI. That's the that's the index fund that I, I, I invest in based on the advice. Well, not really advice. I just listened to what somebody said they invest in. I said, okay, well, let me look that one up. And I looked VTI up. Like, oh, that's, that looks really good. 
uh, there's like 4,300 companies in this thing, you know, and, and all of that. And the, the fees are really low. And, it, you know, so, so I did that and, and that's all I have right now. And I, and I think you're right on the money. I can't envision myself in any time in the near future being able to invest more than $6,000 a year. I mean, that's $500 a month. That's probably all I'm going to be able to invest. And so for the foreseeable future, I won't need anything beyond a, a Roth IRA. And then if I was married, I'm divorced, but if I was married, it would be $12,000. It would be because she could have one and I could have one. So I love that you said that because that could be the direction that a lot of teachers probably would need to go into. But there are a lot of teachers out there that have maybe a spouse that's a high income earner. Um, and, and they do and they do have the ability to invest way more than 6,000. And the order of operations that you just gave on what they should do when they consider investing, that, that, that's perfect. And I, I think that, you know, I always tell listeners, look, go back and take notes. You can rewind it back. You know, sometimes you hear terms and things that you don't know. Write those things down. Go back, Google them. You know, a big part of a podcast is you're, you have to educate yourself. And so, you, you know, you're not going to you're not going to get all the information in a podcast necessarily. Sometimes you have to keep going back and doing some research. And if you have any questions, email Dave, you know, your questions and and we probably can cover them in in a future, uh, future episode, but uh, for, or just a response and email. But uh, so the 403B and 457B, I I heard you say that sometimes the, the 457 might actually be better. Um, You know, could you talk just a little bit about what makes a 457 better sometimes or maybe all the time? I don't know. Yeah. So I'd say several reasons. One is a little more fiduciary oversight is required. So consequently, school districts, um, you know, put a little more attention on it. I mentioned that if um, you are someone who wants to retire um, or access money before age 55, you can do that with a 457B once you separate service. So again, you're 27 years old and you had a 457B you can access that money tax penalty free if you've left your employer. I am not advocating for people to do that. But I also know that there's a big new movement, at least new to me. I never heard about this until about maybe 10 years ago, the financially independent retired early movement. These are people who have the goal of retiring at age 40. If you are one of those teachers, let's say you're 21 and you want to, and again, I'm not trying to get people to leave the profession. We need good teachers, but I also know how hard it is a 457 might be the the retirement vehicle that you use because of this ability to um, access the the money tax penalty free. The second thing is it has something called the three-year rule, three years before retirement as designated by the plan. So let's say the plan says age 62. That means age 61, 60, and 59. You can double your contributions to your 457B. So that would be $41,000 this year. I'm not saying teachers have that kind of money, but Brandon, you mentioned that some teachers have spouses who have really good income and they don't, the teacher's salary is extra. We know teachers who are in that situation and they contribute almost their entire salary to their retirement plan. Younger teachers are probably saying, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to do this. Not right now, but maybe later. So we like that. The third reason, and you guys um, live in a state that illustrates this, states have state-based 457B plans. The 457B is not just for teachers. It's for firefighters, police officers, government officials. So what they've done is they've created state-based plans. 
and pooled all of the funds from these uh, different professions. So you can potentially have billions of dollars under management. Now compare that to one school district force 57B with maybe 10 million, 20 million. That seems like a lot, but you don't get good pricing. We always talk about the New York State Deferred Compensation Plan, their 457B plan. Guys, it has $23 billion of um, assets under management. They have a S&P 500 index fund that costs 0.00875, I think it is. We've looked at the North Carolina plan. It is better than you apparently still have a four hundred state based four hundred three b plan, which unfortunately they're they're getting be, rid of that now. They're sunsetting it, and we think that's yeah. terrible because you know we would be okay with that if every district in North Carolina had the four fifty seven b plan, but that's not the case. We think this is a big mistake. They should make sure that the four fifty seven b is available in all your districts before they sunset that. But Brandon, those are the three reasons: those two provisions. Plus, if you are not all states do this, unfortunately, Pennsylvania, for some reason, does not let teachers contribute to their really good state based 47B plan. Ohio has probably the best in the country because you can do online enrollment and they also have very low costs. So that's what I would tell teachers. And again, we have all kinds of information on the 47B at even though we're 403B wise, we have a whole 457B section and we've done podcasts on the 457B. In fact, our second most listened to podcast is on the 457B. Our most listened to is called the wealthy custodian. It is about a now retired janitor named Jeff York from Northern California, who now has a net worth over a million dollars whose salary was never more than, I think, $30,000, this guy was able to save lots of money over long periods of time and retired at age 55. Yeah, I think, you know, looking back at my career, I didn't know what a 403B was at 22 when I was first hired. I didn't know what a 457 was. But when I sat down and talked to someone, they said, okay, you have the option of the 403B. Of course, no one ever mentioned Roth, right? Because that's outside of the company, the salesman. Or saleswoman doesn't benefit from that. So I didn't know what a Roth was. But the thing that I loved about the 457, and I didn't have any financial advisor who was a fiduciary to help me, I just used common sense. I said, okay, well, I'm 22 as I'm starting out teaching. In North Carolina, I can retire after 30 years of teaching. And in North Carolina, you can also collect your pension starting at 50 years old. And I thought, gosh, you know, when you start adding up sick leave that rolls over to years of service, I might be able to retire at 50, but if I do the 403B, I have no access to those funds until I'm 59 and a half. But if I do the 457, I can immediately use that account as a bridge to get me to social security and as a bridge to get me to, you know, potential other investments I have down the road. So I agree so much with you, Dan. And just quick disclaimer, none of us here are financial advisors. So Brandon talking about VTI and talking about, hey, you should do this first or that second. This is all for educational and entertainment purposes uh, that we believe in personally. We're not saying that you should have to do this, but we want to be well clear said. on that. But I think a really interesting case study would be you, Brandon. And you've talked a lot about on the show getting out of debt, and now you've opened up a Roth IRA. I'm sure you wish you could go back to your 23-year-old self and know all this stuff. You might be in a different place, just like the rest of us would be too. But what would happen if Brandon had... Uh, the wild card happened in his life where now he can go beyond his Roth IRA. That's another really cool thing, Dan, that seems to be happening across the country 
is the 403B and the 457. They're now coming out with these Roth versions. So I look yeah. at myself and my wife. Okay, I can do 6,000 for me in a Roth IRA. I can do 6,000 for her, but I could also put 20,500 into a Roth 457 or a Roth 403B. And now I have way more extra potential tax-free growth than the average person on the street would have access to. Yeah, I just, that was not around when I started investing. Um, you know, I did a Roth, I opened up a traditional IRA. That's the first account I ever did. I was working as a reporter for a magazine. Guys, I was making... I think $21,000 a year. And I opened up a traditional IRA and I did the Roth conversion once that became available. Um, so I've got that Roth money, but I never had access to a Roth 403B because again, that could be a very powerful way to save for retirement. I would um, I would also say you were talking about that just a second ago about, uh, you know, we're not financial advisors and and all of that. I, I, I'd, I'd hope that I'd, I said that, right? I hope that I did. But I would also say, like when I say VTI, like when Chad Aaron said VTI to us, it was Chad Aaron's episode where I, I, I got that from. I didn't just take his word for it. I went and looked it up and and said, okay, what is VTI? You know, what 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 companies are in it? What are the holdings? You know, and what has been the the growth over the years? You know, what does it look like? Well, VTI was founded, and I just, just to give a little bit of it, you said, you know, wish I could go back in time. Well, I've actually gone back in time based on the return in the market and seeing what it would look like. I started teaching at 22, 23 years old. I turned 23 my first year teaching. I'm 44 now. Uh, VTI, the, the index fund that, that I personally uh, like, uh, if I would have started investing in that at my first year teaching, um, I did the numbers on how much I probably could have afforded over the years, and I punched it all in. I would have just north of $700,000 right now in my, in my, in my Roth IRA. That's what I would have. Tax and free. Um, I'm sorry? Tax-free. T- Tax-free. All that growth would be tax-free. That's what you know, Roth means. And, and so kicking myself, I actually did it for my students the other day. I pulled up the compound uh, calculator and I showed them the, the figures. And they looked at me with just eyes wide open and were like, oh my gosh, how, how, does that make you want to cry? And I was like, yes, makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. I said, but more than that, it makes me want to make sure that you guys don't make that same mistake. That's the big thing. And uh, so that's why I said, that's why I show you this. I want you to know, you know, that, that, that saving and investing, even if I, I put in at the beginning, it would have only been $100 a month. I, I couldn't have afforded much more than that in my first year. But you know what? $100 a month is $100 a month. And it's better than not investing anything. And then over time, I would have been able to increase that. Instead, what happened to me was because I wasn't investing, every time I got a bump in pay or an extra coaching check or whatever, instead of investing that because I wasn't in the habit of investing, my lifestyle creeped a little bit more. So I was spending more money as opposed to investing more money. So getting in the habit of investing at right out the gate, you know, is I, th- I think is just paramount. Uh, it's teachers, ha- teachers have to do that. All middle income earners, you just have to do it. And you get into the habit. And then as you make more money, you'll be able to invest more because that will be your habit. So, oh, Brandon, that is such a great story. I, I applaud you, man. Well, I applaud, I applaud you. <laughs> well, you're going to get emails from kids if email is still a thing in 20 years saying, you really helped me out because you're planting those seeds. You guys are talking about growing trees. You guys are planting those seeds. Yeah, I talk to my students a lot, Dan, about uh, I call it 25 by 25. Mm. And if I'm teaching 15 year old sophomores in high school, I tell them you've got a 10 year sprint 
to try to invest $25,000. And, and really, you probably don't even have to invest $25,000. Some of the $25,000 over that 10-year period is going to be growth. But if you can have $25,000 invested by 25 years old, if you historically got the 8% rate of return at 65, you'd have over a million dollars without ever putting another penny in it. Um, so that compound interest and planting your seeds early is so important. And I think that's a great way to get teachers or anybody suckered in. Anytime I teach a personal finance unit, I start off with a compound interest calculator. And it's amazing to see people perk up. I love this 25 by 25. I, I, might, I will credit you guys, but I might steal that. I think that is really powerful. It's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, really $100 a month. So if you're a young teacher out there, open up a Roth IRA, Vanguard Fidelity, great low cost options, as Brandon said, even if you can only start off with $100 a month. So Dan, I think you said, are you 54? I'm 56. 56. So you're 56, Brandon's 44, and I'm about to be 40. What blows my students' mind, and I've mentioned it on the show before, is if, if Dan had $500 in his hands, you know, me at 40, having $350 in my hands is actually worth more than what Dan has. And the 15-year-old sitting in my classroom, their $50 bill is worth more than Dan's four or yeah. $500. So I think a lot of young teachers, you know, I don't want to call it an excuse, but their logic is, gosh, you know, this investing thing, number one, it's really confusing. I don't know what a 403B is. All I could invest anyway is $50 a month. So why would I even waste my time? That's really not going to make any gains for me. But your $50 as a young 23-year-old teacher, again, is more valuable than the 45-year-old teacher who's investing $500 a month due to the time and the rule of 72. It's so true. And again, it's counterintuitive, but you want some market drops. You know, I stuck out the market in 2008, 2009. When it dropped, it cratered 35%. You remember they called it the Great Recession. People were losing houses. And I remember for a moment going, wow, is this time different? And I am so glad I stuck with it continued to throw my two, three, four hundred dollars a month. Those share prices that I bought at in 2009, I mean the exponential growth in those. Think long term. I, I I have all these like little things that I have little note cards from um, Morgan Housel's book, historical odds of making money in the US markets. On a day-to-day -day basis, it's 50-50. One year basis, 68%. 10 year basis, 88%. 20-year basis, 100%. Yeah, we've never had one 20-year period in the history of the United States where the market was down. You've got to play the long game. You've got to play yeah. the long game. And I think as teachers, another thing for a positive, even for somebody like Brandon, uh, who got started a little bit later, he's now getting out of debt. He's opened up the Roth IRA and he's going to make major gains, is we are so fortunate to have a pension. We're very yeah. fortunate to have a pension. Yeah. I don't think, don't feel like when you hear all these fire people talking of, you've got to have a million dollars, you're going to have $2.5 million and you know take your annual expenses times 25. We don't really have that problem as teachers. As long as you can make it to the pension and you still love your job and you're going to make maybe two, three, four thousand $4,000 a month in your pension, we don't have the pressure to necessarily have a million dollars invested. Although, of course, the more that you have invested, the better. And you can pass on that generational wealth and not have that pension die off. But, you know, if you're somebody who's a teacher and you haven't started yet, you know, maybe at 40 years old, make it a goal to have 250,000 by the time you retire at 50 or 55. And if you have 250,000 and you have a $3,000 a month pension and you're in a state 
that pays into social security and you're going to get that check, you know, that nice supplement of maybe a thousand dollars a month from your investments for the next 30 years will really be a life changer. Well said. Absolutely. I'm, I'm interested in uh, just anything else, um, Dan, that you might would, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you would call it advice or just uh, no, as you've sat here and listened to the conversation, uh, it just kind of off the top of your head, uh, knowing how many teachers might be listening to this, even if it's just one. But I mean, you know, knowing teachers are listening to this. Um, do you have anything that you would add to the conversation? I would say if you can teach, you can do this. Teaching is complex. Sure, it's creative and it's enjoyable, but it is complex. The number of balls you are juggling on a daily basis is almost overwhelming. There's a whole industry that wants you to believe that you cannot do this and that you must hire a so-called financial professional to guide you. Everyone listening to this can do this. And I love your guys' message of start slowly. Folks, get rich slowly. I love what you mentioned about Vanguard, um, Fidelity. Charles Schwab is another good one. And they often have offices so you can go talk to someone. Fidelity has offices around the country. I don't know um, if they're in every state, but um, they have them. But Charles Schwab tends to have more boots on the ground. You can get very low cost um, index funds from, from Charles Schwab get started. And Brandon, I'm sure you're feeling this. Like once you opened that account, wasn't it awesome to look each month and then suddenly months become years. It's like a project. I see like you strike me as someone that, that, that does like projects. I can see where you're sitting. Like you probably <laughs> build things, right? And you get total satisfaction out of building things. You can get the same satisfaction, right? Okay. And he's fooled you. will hire the guy. Yeah. Look at it, man. He can tell. <laughs> I have a feeling this guy can like build anything. But I'm trying to make that that analogy that you get so much satisfaction. Hey, you did that. Yeah, it was it was really when I opened up the account, because one of the things that scared me from investing, like I had already been teaching personal finance. I mean, I knew all the all of these things in theory. Um, when I say I know all of these things, I, I shouldn't. I, I've learned so much on the show. I, I didn't know everything, but I still don't know everything. But I knew enough to teach a personal finance course. I knew enough to teach budgeting. I knew enough to teach, you know basics of investing and things like that. But um, I was intimidated by the idea of investing, to be quite honest. Totally. And, I, you know, because I, I, I was intimidated because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't even know the right questions to ask necessarily. And I felt stupid for asking certain questions because I felt like, well, you know, here I am 40 at the time, what, 42 years old. I should know this stuff and I don't know it. And, uh, and so, and, and, and that was when I decided I'm going to really, I, I love to read. And I said, I'm going to really start devoting some of my reading time to actually doing this. And I owe a lot to Dave Fleischer, who, who this is really, you know, this fit is, is all him. I'm, I'm happy to be the Robin is Batman. I always say that. Um, I'm happy to be here to, uh, along with him, but I owe a lot to Dave because Dave's taught me a lot over the, over the, this time period. This is going to be episode 59 and 60. I learned a lot through these episodes and, um, you know, started listening to some other podcasts and, you know, just kind of grown my knowledge that way. But I was so intimidated in the beginning. And so when I first started it, I couldn't believe how easy it was, first of all, to go, just go to Fidelity. I mean, no, um, I'm a Vanguard uh, to just go to Vanguard, 
open up the Roth IRA. I mean, it was a step-by-step. It was, it was, it was easy. It wasn't hard. And then I bought my first share and I said, wow, that was, I'm investing, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I'm investing. And, and uh, so this is what this is like, you know, I'm finally doing it, but um, you know, I, I, I love what you said there. Teachers can do it. I mean, teachers yeah. do the impossible every day and this yes. is not the impossible. Percent. So. Oh, I love your story, Brandon, man. I, 10 years from now. Oh my God. You're going to have, it's going to be so great. I hope, I hope so. podcast is still around in 10 years. That's going to be an awesome episode. Yeah, there you go. Hey, if so, we're still yeah. around, you guys will still be around. Um, I'm telling you, man, you guys are going to, this success is only going to grow. Well, we appreciate that. And I tell teachers all the time and students uh, when they're intimidated by opening up an investing account, I said, how many of you are comfortable with putting something in a cart on Amazon? You know, if you can log into Amazon and create an Amazon Prime account and you can drag and drop. And, and order stuff on Amazon, you can easily set up your own Roth IRA, follow the steps. And I don't know if this makes sense at all, or if it even really works, but I made it up today in class without even planning it. It's brilliant. Is, That's brilliant. Yeah, that works. And I was adding to it. I said, okay, um, how many of you have someone in your family that is a good cook? And of course, almost every kid raises their hand. And we were talking about actively managed funds versus passively managed funds. And I said, how many of those people that you, you know, you raised your hand and said that there was a good cook in your family, how many of those individuals who were good cooks actually went to culinary school to be a good cook? I said, do you really need an active manager? I said, they've learned on their own. I said, you know, somebody, anybody can Google a recipe. You can Google a recipe. It'll tell you exactly how many cups you needed this, how much sugar you needed that, that or whatever. And anybody can be an investor now. So you don't have to be a genius. You know, there are lots of good cooks out there that never went to culinary school. You don't have to you know, go to Stanford or Harvard or Yale to be a good investor. All you have to do is consistently invest, make it automatic, have a budget and try to max out that Roth IRA. And it's amazing what will happen. Well, I can tell you're a great teacher. You are using terrific metaphors to teach concepts. One thing I would say, and I see this from my college students, be leery of apps like Robinhood. Okay. I know Robinhood has brought a whole new wave of new investors but they gamify it. They make their money by encouraging you to be an active trader. I tell people, do what uh, Brandon and I'm sure Dave does. You have a low cost mutual fund, put money in every month. Don't play around with it. Just like pick your, your allocation. Like you have the total stock market index. Um, Brandon, I'm guessing Dave has something similar. Don't don't make short-term decisions. Don't react to what you hear, like the Ukraine invasion, right? Well, the market's been up ever, you know, a little bit. It's been down, but long-term, folks, long-term, long-term. Ignore the noise. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, Doctor Otter, thank you so much for being on the show. And and I just want to, um, well, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about the podcast series that series that you're launching? Oh my gosh, this has been, I would say I'm proud of a lot of our work. I mean, we've, it's part of its longevity. You know, we're almost like the Cal Ripken here. You know, we've been at this since uh, 2000 and I am so proud of the website. I'm proud of our teach and retire rich podcast, but we made the decision two years ago to find another way to tell the K-12 403B story. And we are, our marching orders to the production company we hired was, we want it to be told through the voice of the teacher. So there's about a dozen teachers in this series called Learned by Being Burned, Teachers in the K-12-403B. Describe 
how they got sold these high cost products, how they learned that they had been sold um, products that are unsuitable, how they began to advocate for themselves and how they ultimately got better choices. The episode five is the last episode is a recipe. If you're a school district official, listen to what the benefits official in Montgomery County, Maryland did. He started the process of going from 14 vendors to one low cost vendor and that's Fidelity Investments. And guess what? They're getting more contribution limits or more contributions, more participants. Teachers aren't intimidated by all these sales agents trolling classrooms or spamming their email inboxes. You can hear how teachers actually got Vanguard added on their own or T. Rowe Price. You can hear about this excellent resource called 403bcompare.com, which while it's run by the state of California, any teacher in the country can use it and you can get detailed fee information. You can see how Brandon's paying like 0.02 for Vanguard and how a colleague is paying almost 3% with equitable access. So thanks for giving me a chance to, to, to talk about that podcast because we have gotten such great feedback on it. The music is great. It really is like a, it, it's so interesting when you have a professionally produced podcast, guys. I got to tell you, I wish I had enough money to make all our podcasts like that. Yeah, we definitely don't know what that is. We definitely don't know what a But you guys have a great vibe. Is. You really do. You have a nice, I can see people really like on a Saturday afternoon doing stuff around the house, really enjoying talking to you guys or listening to you guys talk. Well, we appreciate it. It sounds like all of our guests have a homework assignment. Uh, where should our guests go to find out if their 403B is green, if it's red, if it's yellow? Where, what's the website and how would they find that? Yeah, thanks for that. So the main website is 403bwise.org. Our, uh, go to our advocacy tab. Um, we have three main tabs, education. That's the workings of the 403B, 47. Go to the advocacy tab. And then in the lower left, you'll see the district vendor rating project. Click that and we have a drop down menu. It's almost like getting air tickets. You know, you start off with what state you're in and then it, all of the districts will then appear and you pick your district. As I said, we have um, published information on 3,200 so far. Um, so we don't have every school district, but if we don't have yours, there's a place where you can add your vendor list. You can upload a PDF or we have an easy tool where you can just select the vendors that are available. You would just go to your school district to get that list, then we'll grade it. And if I could just read the grades real quick, guys, we have about 25% of all school districts in the country uploaded and rated. There are only 27 A's on this list. Wow. There are only 12 B's. Guys, there are 1,754 C's, which is 58%. 40% of the school districts we've rated are D's or F. And I'm here to tell you guys, these percentages are not going to change. Once we get to 50%, it's not suddenly going to be 10% A's. I believe this is a, a statistically um, representative sample of school districts, a powerful sample of districts around the country. But I'm telling you, we're starting to hear about school districts going to a single vendor. Chicago Public Schools just did it. Um, Georgia is now becoming the home of lots of single um, vendor school districts. They're putting their plans out to bid. So kind of in your, uh, your neck of the woods, guys, we think things are getting better. Vanguard is increasingly on vendor lists. 
we feel like there's a little bit of breeze. I wouldn't call it wind at our backs, but I'd call it a nice breeze. Things are getting better. Teachers, I, I don't think, I'm sorry, Brandon. I don't think teachers can afford to not share this with their colleagues because literally listening to this one episode over the course of a 30 year career could be the difference of potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees that's going to someone who's a shark that came in and basically used and abused us and laughed walking out the door. Absolutely. And I, I was just going to say that you said that you're starting to feel the breeze and uh, thanks to the, and, it, and it's largely thanks to the work of people like you. And, and we just appreciate you and what you've done and what you're doing. And uh, I want to encourage the listeners that 403 BY's website, go to that website and start reading it. it there is so much good material up there. Um, there's learning modules up there. I haven't been through those yet, but I know they're up there and I'm looking forward to going through those. And it's just a really powerful website that Dr. Otter's put together and what a great resource. Well, guys, you are part of this movement. I cannot do this alone. I've mentioned uh, my partner, Scott Downhower, my wife, Abanda, who's a web designer. We are an army. We are not one person. We are an army making change. And guys, I cannot thank you enough for what you're doing. And I cannot thank you enough for, for having me on and helping me get our message out to a wider audience. The K-12 403B is broken. Together, we can fix it. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners for joining us this week on this version of the Fit Educator Podcast. We hope you join us for next week. And remember that someone is sitting in the shade today because they planted a tree a long time ago. Take care, everybody.